Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. We've had some pretty amazing guests on the show this year so far and I couldn't be more excited about the guests that are set to come on later this year too. And before we bring you those guests, I want to take a look back at some of the key lessons we learned from the guests that have already been on the show so far this year. We've had Gaudi Utumchandani, we've had Chris Speed, Dre Baldwin, Emma Story Gordon, Larry Doyle, Scott Batsy, along with so many more. So I'm excited to dive back into some of those episodes today and give you some of the key takeaways that you might have missed or you might just need to hear again. And to kick today's episode off, we're going to head back to episode 160 with Goldie, who gives us her take on how we can tap into our full potential and rid ourselves of the victim mentality. Tapping into your full potential essentially has to do with your experiences. And we've all got what what we call this positive nucleus. And if you want to imagine, it's like a little glowing ball that sits just in the pit of your stomach. And this is also something that, you know, we work with from appreciative inquiry. And the way that you can tap into that is by activating it. So it's a bit like, okay, we have to charge the battery now. So let's work towards that. And the way that I try to discover this with people is by asking them uh, these set of interview questions. So for example, when was the last time that you felt truly alive? And it requires you to think, think back, because you do have experiences that have been fantastic. But we tend to forget why, because the human brain is engineered to focus on what didn't go well, rather than what did go well. Okay. And then as and when we continue with this questioning uh, process, this interview, you start to generate a change in language in the person. So in your client, and then as a coach, you have to write down those keywords that they keep using the positive ones. And then what you have to do is completely change the narrative, but using their words. So it's as if you're telling them their own story with their own words, but as an author. And that is when you they start to re-believe in this uh, possibility of tapping into their true, you know, highest potential. And that's when they'll start to discover what is it that worked, which can continue to work for me 
here moving forward? Who were those people that impacted me? Where was I sitting? What was I wearing? What was I eating? All these very subconscious things that you could don't even realize sometimes. Were you doing any exercise? Yes, I was. I used to play football. Oh man, that was amazing. Oh really? When was the last time you did that? Gosh, I don't remember. Would you like to go back to doing that? You know, these are the type of things you have to remind people mm. because everyone has a story and really good ones actually. But if you don't have a starting point, you can't move forward. And then obviously, as you grow older, you acquire, you acquire experience, you acquire more skills. You can add on to that. And that's when you're really allowing your full potential to operate in the real world. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That's a fantastic place to dig into. And a lot of us will just focus on the day to day. And like you said, not what's not going so well. But if you actually give someone the opportunity to look back, most of them can find that. I do find people, and you may find this as well, will tend to fall into a little bit of a victim mentality, which I'm sure you'll find a lot as well. How do you start pulling people out of that? And firstly, getting them to recognize that they are almost allowing life to happen to them versus making life happen for themselves. So this is a good question as well. And essentially, I found this to be probably the hardest moment in my certification to tell people off in in an assertive way. <laughs> this is something that I struggled with myself as a person when I was being coached, not being the victim, but just being too nice to people. And that is something that you have to discover about yourself as well as a coach, that you can't always just be nice. You can be polite, but you have to be honest. And there's a difference between being nice and being honest. So that is the yeah. distinction that I use with my clients. And very openly, I give them the distinction of, do you want to be a victim or do you want to be a responsible person? It stops them in their tracks, obviously, because they don't see what you're, what you're saying to them. And you have to back that up. Again, once again, as a coach, you can't just give advice based on what your opinion is or what you're, what you're observing or even your own past core beliefs, which make you, which condition you to label somebody. Mm. You have to play with the data that you have in front of you. So if, for example, I set a 14 year old some homework from their first session to their next, and they come back and they give me five excuses as to why they didn't get that homework done. My question to them would be, so what what you what were you doing instead? And so they tell me what they were doing. And I go, okay, so I can observe that your priority lies in doing this. Is that where you would like to go towards? And they'll be like, no, I did want to do what you told me, but I just didn't have the time. And I go, oh, but it's okay. You obviously had the time and I can understand that your priority was here. So perhaps you want to focus on this area. So politely, I put the child in his place, you know, without telling him off, just reminding him that actually your priority is somewhere else and you can decide what to do with that. So then the word victim doesn't come in. It's just about taking responsibility because the minute you call them a victim, they get, they hold back and, and they get defensive and that's not going in the right, in the right direction. You're, you're moving backwards rather than moving forwards. And on to our next highlight, which is with Chris Speed, who takes us through some of the best lifts and mobility drills that we can use to improve our performance within Olympic lifting. In just quick, simple terms, someone's never really got into it before. Maybe they're just a recreational lifter. What three lifts do you think that they could focus on? And maybe what three mobility drills would you recommend them to start doing to set themselves up for Olympic weightlifting? I would honestly say finding, and again, there's a lot of good resources online for this, finding out what your snatch grip is so that you kind of know where to grab the bar, overhead squatting, 
is going to be one of the first movements. Front squatting, whether you do it with like your full grip on the bar, you do it like a bodybuilder with cross arms, or you do it with no hands, like I'm a zombie squat. Being able to snatch grip deadlift and clean grip deadlift with, with pretty decent form, so it looks like it might do when you're going to snatch and clean. And then, to be honest with the mobility, it's just trying to sit in a deep, it's just trying to sit in a deeper squat for five to ten minutes a day. If you have to elevate your heels, if you have to wear weightlifting shoes, that's absolutely fine. But trying to work yourself down to the point where you can go into a deep squat with your feet flat on the floor and your back relatively straight, like it doesn't have to be completely, completely arched. That's all you really need to do to start because when you're snatching, cleaning, jerking, as long as you can get into the receiving positions, you're probably fine. So it's just being able to reach over your head with your back in a good position with a snatch grip or a clean grip, then being able to do an overhead squat and a front squat. If you can do that, you'll you'll have a very easy time starting to learn the sport because you'll just be able to hit positions properly. But that's literally it, like just trying to make sure that you're moving through the deep squat fairly regularly. Things like the deep side lunges, you know, like squats, some um, split squats will also help. But just moving through that stuff like and just repeating it Next up, we have Trey Baldwin, who takes us through how we can get ourselves to a place where we're ready to take actions on the things that we know that we need to work on, along with a big favorite of mine, which is how to know if you are a star in the making or if you should just give up on your pursuit. At some point, they had to have the conversation with themselves. Like, I don't care how good of a salesperson you are and how great your programs are and how many before and after stories you can tell, how many testimonials you put on your website, how great your service and your sales page and your sales pitch is. At some point for somebody to buy anything from me or from you or anybody else out there, Elliot, that person has to have a conversation with themselves where they say, this is something that I want and need. This is something that I need now. And it's something that I can do until they agree to those things. Now we can help to get them to that point, but they still have to say it to themselves. And because what I say to a person that I'm working with is not nearly as important as what they say to themselves. Even if it's something that I told them, I can be the most articulate person in the world. But until that person takes the things that I say and they say it to themselves, it's not really going to make an impact. They had to take my words and they had to repeat it to themselves in their own mind. That's when it really starts to have an impact. So that's our job is to give them something, everything that we put out here, that they eventually take something that some nugget that they can take with them, that they're going to remember it. And that that's really going to be the thing that changes. And it goes right back to that 80, 20 rule. So I do something like go give a keynote speech. I talk for an hour uh, by three days later, most of the people in that room are going to forget 97% of what I said, which I don't mind because as long as they paid me, I'm good. I gave my speech. But the thing is that 3% that they remember, I want that 3% to be the thing that's going to cause them to go do something different. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you'll probably get people who get started on this. They get really engrossed with this world. And patience is probably a big thing. It's something I see in my work a lot. So I'm intrigued because sometimes we're maybe like working on your mindset, working on your business, something like that is going to take me 5, 10, 15 years. And let's say you're in the weeds, you're in the journey. How do you know if you just need to keep going? Because there's a lot of people who will see the grind, the hustle culture, memes and all that and think, okay, I need to up my game a little bit. But there's probably a lot of people who are just working hard and working smart. Anyway, how do you know if you just need to keep going or if you need to reinvent, if you need to look into your systems, is it based on progress or what would you say was the key there? Yeah, it's a great question. And sometimes it's an kind of existential question of life. Like, how do you know if you are a, it's kind of like me when I was trying to make it in basketball. How do you know if you're a person who is going to be, at, you're a star in the making, you just need to keep going because you're just going through the rough part and eventually you're going to become a hero and you can tell everybody your great story and about all your guts and glory. Or are you a person who is, this is not going to work at all. And all you're doing is wasting more time, the more time you spend on this thing. 
the ultimate answer, if this is a, we were in an elevator and I had to give you an answer before I get off the elevator. The answer is it depends on the end of the story. And we won't know until we get to the end of the story, whether you were right or wrong. So for me, for example, as a ball player ended up that I was right because I made it in basketball. But for all the other players out there who had the same lead up as me, but they didn't make it, they didn't become pro, they didn't play in college. Well, they ended up being wrong. But how do we know? We won't know till the story's over. So for someone who's in the middle of the story, how do you decide if you should keep going or not? And the situation is really I give people, it's kind of like I give people a combination lock. There's a few things you want to look at. Number one, the most important one is mentally, can you still see the vision? So when I was playing ball and I'm getting cut from the high school team or I had some setback in college or I'm get out of college and I'm trying to play pro and I didn't get an opportunity at first. And my parents asked me, what do you want to do? I say, I want to play ball. And they're asking me, well, what's the plan to do it? And I didn't really have one. No, going through all those setbacks in my mind, could I still see myself making it? Could I still see the vision of this is going to happen? I can visualize it in my mind. As long as you can still visualize yourself becoming a success at that thing, even when it's not working, then you keep going. But as soon as you can't see that vision anymore, that is not coming up in your mind anymore, then it's time to walk away. That's like one number of the combination lot. Another one is even when you're facing setbacks and things are not quite working, are you still excited to go back and figure out why it's not working and figure out what to do about it? So for example, these days, if I'm running some ad campaigns and I see that I'm spending $100, but I'm not getting $100 in ROI, am I like, damn, I might as well just quit running ads. I might as well shut down my business. Or am I saying to myself, all right, these ads didn't work. Let me figure out why they didn't work. Let me try some different ads or a different audience or a different targeting or a different something so I can figure out how to make this work. Which question are you asking yourself? Are you asking yourself, should I quit? Or are you asking yourself, how do I fix this to make it better? And so I can make it work. Which one are you asking more often? If you're asking yourself how to fix it, keep going. If you keep telling yourself, well, maybe I should just give it up, then maybe you should give it up. You know, sometimes I get people coming to me. Actually, I've been on, I've been publishing online for like 17 years. Oh yeah. So I often would get people coming to me saying, well, Dre, I'm thinking about quitting. You know, I'm thinking about giving it all up because I've had this happen, this happen, that happen. I've tried this, tried that. None of these things are working. I don't know what else to do. I'm thinking that it might be time for me to quit. And sometimes people just present that to me. It's not even a question. They just make a statement to me because they are expecting that I'm going to be this motivational guy that's going to get them some pep talk to tell them why they shouldn't quit. But sometimes I say to them, you know what? You're right. You should quit. You know, you should walk away. Maybe you should give it up because if you're already saying all of these things to yourself, because by the time they say it to me, they've already said it to themselves a hundred times. If you're saying this to yourself, maybe you should quit because I'm not going to be around to talk you off the ledge every single time you feel like quitting. All right, if you're talking yourself to this point that you thinking about it, then maybe you should. So that's the second question. And the third one is when things are not working, are you still excited to kind of get back to the game? All right. Do you still see yourself as making this thing happen? Are you excited to kind of come back and really figure it out and make it work? So you want to look at all three of those questions. Do you still see the vision? Are you asking yourself a question about constructively? How can I fix this? And are you excited to get back to the game and you know, figure it out even when you just got knocked down? Are you excited to kind of like a boxer, you got knocked down. Do you still want to get up and keep fighting or are you just going to stay laying there on the mat? What an answer that was. And next we move on to Larry Doyle, who gives us his perspective on the future of health and wellness on a societal level. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic if we can get it on a government level to actually have an impact on this, right? And on the bigger scheme that personal trainers alone will not make an impact on this because there isn't enough of us, right? And we're only in the health sphere and like the, the fitness sphere and the fat loss sphere. So we only really pay attention to that area. 
And when we're doing some of the seminars and events where we train other coaches, I'm like, how much do you pay attention to the outside world of what's actually going on in people's lives? Or are you just on Instagram looking at reels? Are you just posting pictures of people with abs or competitors or whatever? Because that's not the real world. And when we start to pay attention to what's actually happening in people's lives, and I think lockdown was a benefit to that degree that we could actually see what a sedentary person's life is really like. Because now all of a sudden, when a lot of trainers weren't on the gym floor, their steps are now like five or 7,000 a day as opposed to 30,000 a day or maybe 2,000 a day because now they're online and they're doing a lot of this. And now we get a real insight to what an average person's day is really like. Because again, we live in our own little bubble all the time. And from a personal trainer's only point of view, we won't make a dent on this. And on to one of our most popular guests of the year, Emma Story Gordon. And she goes through exactly how we can live our best lives whilst losing body fat too. Yes. I think this is another, like so common in the fitness industry, but false dichotomy. A lot of people are like, there's more to life than dieting. So I'm just going to stay overweight. Well, also that has consequences as well. So, you know, it's all fun and games when you don't yet have diabetes or you haven't had some of the ill consequences that come with not looking after your health. But I think that we often create this like, oh, well, I may as well I don't know, live my life now as if you can't live your life while losing a little bit of body fat. I think it probably comes from how most people approach diets, right? With this all or nothing mentality, with this dieting is horrible. It's going to be really low calories. I'm not going to be able to go out with my friends. I'm not going to be able to eat the foods I enjoy. All these like expectations. And essentially what's happening is people think that they have to put their life on hold in order to diet. And I think that's something that we really need to work against is that you can live like I'm always saying to my clients, like I want you to live your best life while losing body fat. And the reason that people struggle with dieting is approaching it with that mentality and then thinking that they need to be patient. And I speak about patience a lot, but I actually have almost like changed my narrative on this where I would rather say to someone now, like you don't need to be patient because you're not putting your life on hold. Everyone's like, oh, be patient with the scales, be patient with this. Be pa-. Don't be patient with anything. Just do the shit you want to do now doesn't matter if you've got five pounds extra body fat, like wear the bikini now. Don't put your life on hold expecting it's going to be completely different when you weigh X on the scales. That's a big problem. I think that a lot of the time people say stuff like that, almost like virtue signaling, you will have seen in our industry for sure. Like guys, don't worry about calories. There's more to life than losing body fat. And it's like, of course there's more to life than losing body fat. Stupid thing to say, but it doesn't mean that you can't live your life and lose body fat. There's two sets of people. It's either the person who's spent the last 10 years on the bodybuilding stage or dieting extremely, got their head right in it. And now they're going to the opposite spectrum, thinking that everyone's had that same experience that they've had, but they've literally not. Or the people who are overweight, potentially, and dieting just didn't work for them. They didn't find the approach that worked. So they're like, you know what? This didn't work for me. So I'm just going to accept what is. And those are the two people who spout that narrative, unfortunately. But you're absolutely right it's in the sense of, yes, you know, patience is great in some ways. But I, I recently heard a quote saying, be patient with the result, but impatient with your actions, which I really like, right? It's like, there's no reason why you can't proactively really try and work something, but you can't really always control the outcome. So like you said, you may as well wear that bikini now and see how you feel because you probably feel better than you expected. 
Yeah. And I think we do build this a lot of the times we attribute other problems to the fact that we have a little bit more body fat. Like that might not be the reason that you're not confident. That might not be the reason that you're delaying applying for a job or delaying dating someone or any of these things. And sometimes we build this up that, oh, you know, it's almost like a reason not to do something and actually realizing that you don't have to put your life on hold for that. And you probably won't feel any different. Five pounds lighter. And finally, we have Scott Bapti, who gives us some super handy tips on what to do if we're a self-proclaimed lazy cook. What about the lazy cooks out there? You've got to realize that you've got to be willing to make some sacrifices if you want to make some positive changes. Um, We're not going as far as to quote the have 5% of the population have. You've got to do what 95% are unwilling to do. Like that's a bit extreme when we're talking about just cut up some onions. But I mean, if, if time really is an issue, you can buy ready chopped onions, ready chopped vegetables. But also I would encourage people to cook in bulk. I cannot be bothered cooking from scratch every single night. Probably cook out of seven nights or cook three nights. But every time I cook, it's for at least double of who's in the house. So tonight, for example, uh, I've got pork stroganoff, which I made two nights ago, but made more of it, my recipe. And my wife's got a smoky beef and bacon chili that was in the slow cooker uh, a couple of days ago. So we're having different teas, but it's already nice. just heat up, cook some veg, cook some right done. That's a good point, actually. We mentioned like knives and knife sharpeners, but what about slow cookers, the air fryers? Are you big on those? I know you're big on the slow cooker, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm big on the air fryer too as well, but only uh, recently. We can talk about that in a minute. Um, the slow cooker, yeah, I'm big on because it's, again, it's really convenient time-wise. A lot of people say, what do you need a slow cooker for? Can you not just use the oven and cook on low? Other than the fact it's much more economical, it's it's easier to scale up as well. You don't have to cook stuff in it. You can just throw in raw things, put the lid on, and you've got stews and curries and so on. Some things do benefit from cooking first, then go in the slow cooker. But for meal prep, yeah, I've got a big six and a half liter one, so I can cook like 12 portions of chili really easily. So team, those were the Simply Fit highlights from the first quarter. If you listened to the episodes in the past, I hope that refresh was helpful. And if it's the first time you've heard some of these learnings, I hope you're able to integrate them into your health and fitness journey in the months and years to come. Links to all the four episodes are in the description below. So if a certain point in today's episode sparked your curiosity, head over and have a listen. So that's everything from me today, team. Take care. Thank you as always for listening. And I'll look forward to speaking with you on the next one. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.